In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. A few weeks ago, a parishioner handed me an article that he had clipped from the Wall Street Journal. Always happy to receive these things, I reached for it, but he held it back. And he said, I hope you'll take this in the right way. (laughs) Well, then I held back. (laughs) It was clear that he wanted me to at least look at the article and read its title, and then he might or might not need to add additional words to tell me how exactly he wanted me to take it. And so with a little bit of trepidation, I looked at the article, and then I burst out laughing immediately. The title of this article is, People Love Your Sarcasm, Really. (laughs) It was two weeks later that I got the sarcasm in the title of the article. But the article is fascinating. It discusses findings made by several business schools and explores ways in which sarcasm can, on the one hand, be helpful. It can um, often carry with it a sense of of deep creativity. I like that part. (laughs) But on the other hand, it sometimes backfires. We all probably know how sarcasm can offend and belittle and baffle and distance and sometimes have exactly the opposite effect than what we intended. The article talks about how because sarcasm usually says one thing that means another, that it implies a closeness. It implies and signals to someone that, um, that you're part of the in crowd. You're, you're smart enough and you're sharp enough that you'll get the double meaning of it. And so you can immediately understand how it can backfire if someone is, is new to that inner circle or new to the community or, or perhaps doesn't hear it. or or doesn't understand the way it's being used. There are all sorts of ways it can backfire. Then again, it's probably helpful to remember that the word we have, sarcasm, comes from the Greek and Latin word meaning to tear the flesh. Well, that article reminded me of what I know as the risks of sarcasm and the pain of it sometimes going wrong. I don't always catch my words the way I should. I don't always watch them the way I should. And our scriptures focus on that. Our scriptures today focus on the importance of words and the importance of the words we choose. That old idiom we all grew up with tries to help us to be strong when it suggests sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And yet it's not quite true, is it? Words can and do hurt sometimes. We can all probably think of a time when we've said something and later we wished we could do anything to take away what we had said because of the hurt or the harm it had caused. And then on the other end of words, most of us can probably remember times when words have been used against us And they felt constraining or insulting or abusive. 
In today's first scripture reading, Isaiah talks about a faith that many of us long for. We wish that we had that sort of faith. The speaker in Isaiah gives his back to those who strike and doesn't hide her face from insult or spitting. She's not disgraced. He's vindicated because the speaker in Isaiah so fully and completely rests in the care and the love of God. The speaker is able to ask with full confidence, who are my adversaries? Let them confront me. Because when it's the Lord God who helps me, who can possibly declare me guilty? We hope to have that sort of faith. But in the real world of here and now, words fly and words wound. In today's gospel, I can only imagine what Peter must have felt like with Jesus' sharp word thrown at him, Satan. I mean, to be called the devil is bad enough, but to be called the devil by the Son of God is about as bad as it gets. But it all began with Peter's own all-too-casual words. When Jesus begins to explain that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering, be rejected, be killed, and after three days rise again, Peter jumps in. Peter's having none of it. No, no, Lord, don't do it. We can't let this happen. I imagine Peter probably has a a thousand different ideas in his head of of ways to prevent what Jesus has just said. Uh, Perhaps they could whisk Jesus out of town or, or they could have Jesus stay in town and work through the system and perhaps run for office or... Or they could start a rally and bring it to the attention of the masses. Or they could gather other disciples and storm the temple. Uh, Perhaps they could come up with a settlement where Jesus could simply retire to the country and preach and heal and not hurt anybody in Jerusalem. But Jesus spots the sellout in Peter's speech. It's language of the betrayer. Peter is using language of the accuser, the tempter, all of which are synonyms for Satan. That same one who just after his baptism met Jesus in the wilderness and tried to tempt him to take the easy way to be expeditious, not to go through all the trouble. And so Jesus calls out the duplicitous spirit when he spots it, Satan Well, Peter is wounded. Peter is hurt. Peter is insulted. Of course he is. Sticks and stones would have probably felt a lot better. But then Jesus puts all of this into a larger context. Jesus says, if any want to be my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Though we may not think of it very often at all, Sometimes the very best way for us to take up our cross, to be most faithful to Jesus Christ, is to hold our tongue. The letter of James that we just heard names the dangers of the tongue in ways that we probably all well understand. It's great language. The tongue is a fire, he writes. The tongue is a world of iniquity. It stains the whole body. It sets on fire the cycle of nature and is itself set on fire by hell. No one can tame the tongue, a restless devil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse those who are made in the likeness of God. 
from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, James James concludes, this ought not to be so. Well, we know all this. We know it all too well. In our culture, in our town, a careless word can get you killed. A careless word tweeted or posted or or emailed can get you fired, can lose friends, can end in divorce. And then on the other side of things, as we're victims of careless words, how many millions of dollars have been spent in therapy trying somehow to erase or delete a word that, that feels like it's written indelibly on our hearts, Some word thrown at us long ago by a sibling or a a classmate or a parent or society itself. And so we know the problem, but what's the solution? Isaiah has faith. Jesus says we should take up our cross. And then James just sort of leaves us hanging. In today's reading, he leaves us hanging. This, he says, ought not to be so. Well, no kidding, James, we might say with a little sarcasm. But thankfully, James doesn't stop there. He continues in a passage that we didn't include today. After all these wonderful words about words, this insight into the power of the tongue, James continues and asks, Who is wise and understanding among you? Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness born of wisdom. I love that phrase, gentleness born of wisdom. What a vision. What a prayer. Wouldn't it be fantastic for us to wake up each day and, and get out of bed and say to God, Lord, grant me today, just today, gentleness born of wisdom. In the words we say, in the phrases we use, Every once in a while we come to know such a person who lives out that gentleness born of wisdom. Maybe it's a a grandparent or an older family member who, who perhaps has no formal education or perhaps it's a nurse or a a medical professional who's been educated by long hours in the ER or the clinic or maybe it's a military leader who who through wisdom and time has has achieved a kind of uncanny softness that's almost disarmingly gentle. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's one of us. Gentleness born of wisdom. Gentleness born of wisdom is that knack of of sustaining the weary with a word, as Isaiah puts it. And so as we begin a new fall together, as we move into this new season of faithfulness, Let us take up our cross, surely, but let us take up our cross in part by taking care with our words. Let us pray for that gentleness born of wisdom so that we too might offer the weary words of hope, comfort, and love. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.